Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, How difficult will it be for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God? His Father Gospel. Grace, mercy, and peace be unto you from God our Father and His Son, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, in truth and in love. Amen. Amen. How difficult will it be for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God? That is what Jesus said to His disciples. And you might think, that that means that the wealthy might not go to heaven when they die, possibly. You might not count yourself as wealthy. You might not be a billionaire like our very own native son, Warren Buffett. And you might think to yourself, are the very rich condemned? Are rich people condemned? Yes, the richest among us are condemned. The poorest among us are condemned. Verse 24 of the Gospel lesson said that when Jesus spoke, how difficult will it be for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God, that the disciples were amazed at his words. So Jesus said to them again, Children, how difficult it is to enter the kingdom of God. And the disciples were amazed because the disciples are ordinary, everyday people with regular jobs. And they were probably a little bit frightened when they heard that too. Because the prevailing wisdom among the Jewish community at that time was that if you had great wealth, if you were rich, <laughs> that God favored you. God likes you. And so he showed you great favor through the blessing of material wealth. Guess what? It is a false belief, a false belief about prosperity, which still carries on in Christ Church today. Some of you are very early risers, and you'll get up where you can't sleep Saturday night or Sunday morning, and you'll go and start clicking on the television, or you'll start playing around on your phone. <coughs> and there are all kinds of preachers out there that say, you aren't living right, and that's why God isn't blessing you. Or, send me a bunch of money every month, and God will return it to you a hundredfold. All lies. It still goes on. The disciples could not believe what Jesus said because it flew in the face of everything they had known. They believed it wholeheartedly, but it was false. Because they thought if the, the rich Pharisees, these rich people among them, and the temple authorities with their nice clothing and their flowing robes and their beautiful homes, if those people that God favored so much had a difficult time getting into heaven, how hard is it going to be for me? We are in real trouble. Me, the fisherman. Me, the farmer. Me, the servant. I'm nobody special. It sounds a little bit odd to our ears because we live in a context where many of the very rich among us are villainized. And it doesn't make sense. And some of us look on great riches as sin and we break the Ten commandment and said, boy, he must have done something or she must have done something really shady or illegal to get that money. They must have stolen. And some of us look at those great riches and we have to think like Robin Hood. And we say, we should take the money away from the rich and give it to the poor people. Guess what? 
That's also breaking the seventh commandment against stealing. That's not the point. The points are these. And for those of you who are visiting or have been back here for a while, as we go through the sermons for the next few months, I'm going to be saying the words law and gospel before I make statements so that we can teach the young children to distinguish the difference between God's law, what he desires for us, and gospel, what he gives us instead of what we deserve for breaking the law. So, the first point of law is this, kids who are writing it down. Jesus is telling the disciples that it's difficult for anyone to enter the kingdom of heaven, even the most well-off among us. Jesus continued to explain, it is easier for a camel, a camel, a camel is the largest land animal that most of these people knew. It was also the largest unclean animal that most of these people knew. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of the needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. That's the law. The simple truth that is rich or poor, the sinful nature that we inherit, which we are born with, makes it impossible. It is impossible for us to enter the kingdom of heaven. Nobody can do it. Not on our own. But what we can do is acquire great wealth. And now is the time of year in our community when great wealth is acquired. And despite what you think of your yields in the fields or how happy or unhappy your prices are at the grain elevator, this is the time of the year when people are getting paid in our community. You might do very well. You might not. But people work day and night to bring in the harvest in this beautiful weather that we are having right now. And they shore up their bank accounts for another season. They might pay off some debts, and so they put in a lot of overtime. And maybe, for some, they can stop worrying about things for a minute. But that pursuit of wealth and having wealth can be a stumbling block to the gospel. Pastor Rojas read us the Old Testament reading today, and it was from Ecclesiastes. Do you know that Ecclesiastes was written by the richest man ever to live and ever will live again? Ecclesiastes was written by the richest man who ever lived. His name is King Solomon. King Solomon the Wise. He was richer than Warren Buffett and all the world's billionaires combined. How do I know? Because nobody owns multiple continents anymore. You talk about your acres and how many that you've got to get out of the ground before the weather gets bad. Solomon talked about his continents. See, Solomon, the richest man in the world, he had some things to say about being rich. But you don't have to be the richest man in the world for them to apply to you. Solomon said, whoever loves money never has enough money. Whoever loves wealth is never satisfied with his income. This too is meaningless. Enough is never 
enough for many, many people, even for the poor. I saw on the news that the Mega Millions lottery is up to $1.6 billion. And then this morning when I woke up, when I looked at the news, the Powerball is over now $600 million. $2 billion floating around. And there are people who will blow their whole paycheck on lottery tickets for the one in 301 million shot at that much money. It makes no sense. Pursuing more and more. Some people are going to get paid after the harvest, and some of them are going to take that money and head straight for the casino because they think they can get more and more when they win. I know this happens. Otherwise, people would not put all these casinos up. There are casinos everywhere. There are tons of them. If you need more positive ideas on what to do with your money, how to save or how to pay off your debts, or how to further the gospel, come and see me. I know a lot of people who can help you. Because if you are counting on wealth in this body and life, it will not help you in eternity. And it may even become an impediment to you here on earth. So let's say that you go down to the prime stop and you don't spend your own paycheck, but it's fun and you throw your $2 in for the mega millions. But let's say for the sake of argument that you win. Or let's say that tomorrow the price of beans at the grain elevator will be $120. Let's say that all happens. Guess what? Solomon, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, the richest man in the world ever to live, says, As goods increase, so do those consume them. When you are rich, especially lottery and casino and inheritance and other windfall gaining people, everybody wants a piece of the wealth. Everybody you know wants a piece of that action. They say, Share the wealth. And even then, what is all of your stuff and your friends worth when you go? Nothing. And what benefit are they to the owner except to feast his eyes upon them? And yet Solomon reminds us the sleep of a laborer is sweet, whether he eats little or much, but the abundance of a rich man permits him to sleep. Do you let your wealth keep you up at night, or do you worry about your 401k tanking? Do you worry about the hailstorm? Do you worry about the price of beef every moment of the day? Does it keep you up at night? Do you do other things to calm yourself so that you can sleep at night, which also are not good for you? <coughs> you know, it's hard. It's hard to push yourself away and sleep well at night. I've seen a grievous evil under the sun, King Solomon tells us. Wealth hoarded to the heart of its owner, or wealth lost through some misfortune, so that when he has a son, there is no inheritance left for him. There are people, there are many people with a lot of money and all the music. 
lottery winners, gamblers, everyday small business owners, people that have mega jobs, and guess what they lose? They run themselves into the ground to earn money. But they miss out not just on family, but they miss out on their faith too. Second point of law here. Because great wealth and the pursuit of it can be a stumbling block, it can impede us. It impedes us from worshiping the Lord because we worship the wealth. There are people who say, I've got a lot of money, God must be okay with me. I know people like this. I have a stockbroker who's like this. I have a last congregation. He's fine. He didn't get it. When Jesus made his famous saying about the camel passing through the eye of the needle, the disciples were exceedingly astonished and said, if the rich have a difficult task, then who can be saved? Because they thought they were in trouble. And they must have been so exasperated by that. Jesus said this, with man it is impossible. You can't do it. You can't save yourself, no matter how rich or how poor you are. That's the law. Slowly but surely, the confirmation class kids are learning the catechism, and they are doing a phenomenal job. I have worked with many, many children in the last eight years. They're great, I'm telling you. One of the things that they're learning is the third article of the Apostles' Creed, which is, I won't make them stand up and say it right now, we're all like hanging with all the seat on the faces. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body and the life everlasting. Amen. And then they have to say, what does this mean? And it means that I believe that I cannot by my own reason or strength believe in Jesus Christ my Lord come to him. And the disciples are exasperated because they don't hear the gospel in Jesus' sentence. After he hears impossible, then he says the gospel. And Jesus says this, here is your gospel point, your first one. But not with God. Jesus says, this is impossible, but not with God. It is not impossible to enter the kingdom of heaven, but with man it is impossible, but not with God. For all things are possible in God. And when God works faith in our hearts, God does the impossible. God does the impossible, and he performs a miracle. He performs a miracle for anyone to enter the kingdom of God, and that miracle is the holy incarnation of his holy begotten Son, who is Jesus. Jesus, while explaining these things to his disciples, is breaking down in their minds these stumbling blocks, these presuppositions of, well, yes, but every other stumbling block to their salvation, including their own sin, because I know some of you don't have money problems, but you have others. And God is a heartbreaker. God is a heartbreaker. And God gives us the gospel by doing this impossible task of breaking our hearts of the things that hurt, that take away. When your children misbehave and you take away their cell phone, it hurts. It is like the end of the world for them. 
For many of us, giving up the love of money is the hardest thing. It was for me. I was the guy. I was the guy who made $60,000 a year and put 25 bucks a year in the offer and played at church. That's horrendous. That is entirely the most horrendous thing I've ever heard. I was that guy. God worked on my heartbreak for a long time. And because of all of your generosity and the generosity of the Lord and his gospel, I look forward to the end of the month when I can cut the big fat check for my offering and put it in a plate here. Well, Kelly gets to do it, or Abigail gets to do it. But I look forward to that. It's a wonderful thing. Yeah, I could sack a little bit more away from retirement. I could pay a little bit more on Kelly's car and credit cards. No. It's his anyway. And he broke me of that with his gospel. And even the poorest and most persecuted have their needs met in faith. We, as a family, are not struggling. We didn't struggle really in Florida. We always had a roof over our head. We always had food in our stomachs. We lived very richly. Giving up the love of money is the hardest thing, but God smashes even that with the truth that the rich and even the poorest will be persecuted and have their needs met in faith. The first time somebody found out in my family, because we saw my checkbook by accident, that I wrote a check that big to church, they flipped out and said, we're not going to send you anything for your birthday or Christmas anymore if you're going to do that with your It's true. Maybe some of you think that. And it was a pretty modest offering. All of this wonderful heartbreaking causes us to sleep like the baby Jesus in heavenly peace. All of this is foolish to the world, but in Christ, even the most rich camel of a man <coughs> in faith can run through the gates of heaven into Christ's presence because of the gift of faith. And the lullaby of the gospel is sung by the Holy Ghost in the Word of God made flesh. And he takes you who were spiritually dead and makes you alive. That's why in God the impossible is possible. The gospel is because God has given you the confidence of faith that your sins are forgiven through his cross. You are at the head of the line in front of those who believe their bank account earns them forgiveness. My great-grandfather died, didn't go to church his whole life, maybe for a wedding. We went to see him in the hospital. He said before he died he wanted to be baptized. Only after we told him maybe you should be baptized because he wanted to write a check for the church so that he could get into heaven. And my aunt read him the Bible. 
He received the gift of faith at the last, after 86 years of hard heartedness. God gives you the confidence of faith that your sins are forgiven through the cross. <coughs> God breaks down the barriers of the stubbornness of the gospel truth of his word made flesh in his salvation in his son. And God blesses you richly, a hundredfold. And you might even now say, how can that be me? I don't have much of anything. The truly rich sleep at night believing that God provides for them, yes, in worldly ways, but also in the ways of hope for eternal life. And until then, he continues to provide for you not just a weekly paycheck to sustain you or an annual harvest bank account or plenty of customers, but he provides you with his word and sacrament and holy and precious body and blood because you are his. You are his. And you are not his camel. You are God's own child. And you are baptized into Christ. That makes you among the richest people on earth. It's beautiful. I have tons of rich friends. They're all sitting here right now. It's great to have rich friends. Rich because God makes you rich through your inheritance as his son. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Please rise as we confess our faith.